Summit Medical Group is the largest physician-owned multi-specialty medical group in New Jersey. Now helping you live well and stay well with SMG Radio. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Are teachers and coaches telling you your child is maybe disruptive and suggesting that you might need to seek professional help? My guest today is Dr. Leonid Topper. He's a pediatric neurologist at Summit Medical Group. Welcome to the show, Dr. Topper. So people hear the words ADD and ADHD, and they do not really completely understand the difference or what they mean. So give us a little working definition, if you would. So attention deficit is a biological disorder of the brain where the focusing center is underperforming and biologically is underactivated. Uh, functional MRI and other studies which show how the brain works actually proves that this is biological condition and not laziness and not a behavioral trait. Um, and uh, due to this, uh, features of underactivation of attention center, uh, children and adults present with inattention and or impulsivity or hyperactivity. There is no substantial difference biologically between inattentive type of ADD or hyperactive type of ADD, but in real life, children with hyperactivity come to medical attention much earlier because these behaviors are very obvious. So how common is the condition, and does it affect more boys than girls? It is somewhat likelier to affect a boy. Uh, statistics vary, but up to 10% of all boys may have um, attention deficit disorder and about 5% of all girls. Uh, so parents often ask, is that true that this condition is overdiagnosed? And I usually answer it both overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. Many parents may come to conclusion that their child is inattentive because they are not paying close attention to something which is relatively not interesting or less thrilling than video games. And in that case, the wrong information can be conveyed to physicians. At the same time, there are numerous cases when attention deficit is not appropriately diagnosed even until adulthood and these people are diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, even much later. So what do you tell parents, Dr. Topper, every day when they say, oh, well, my child acts up in school, but, you know, he's just all boy. I mean, it's just him being a rowdy boy. What are the red flags that parents and the school systems should look for that would say, you know what, this isn't just a normal part of children growing up or, you know, a child that is just a very active child. What do you tell them to look for? Well, there is no brick wall between the behaviors which a child just temperamental or very, very active or easily excitable to a child where hyperactivity is considered to be in diseased range. The biggest uh, question is impairment. If the child's impulsivity and hyperactivity puts him or her or other kids or adults in danger, such as repetitive trauma, broken bones, or accidents in school, or disrupting class where repeatedly, despite teachers' explanations, disrupting the class, or um, developing clowning behaviors where the child is trying to entertain everybody around, often 
you would think that this is beyond personality trait. And often uh, when the school and parents have detailed conversations with these children, you will hear something, oh, mommy, I cannot help to hold it. So this translates essentially to main feature of hyperactivity where the child would first do, then think, as opposed to first thinking, then doing. And in that case, it's possibly it's a feature of a disease, not a personality trait. So if you hear of these things from parents and even from the child themselves, how do you diagnose that it is deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADD? First, we need to confirm the symptoms. In case of children, we need to confirm the criteria by the Diagnostical and Statistical Manual, version 5, which is a big compendium of behavioral diagnosis issued by American Psychiatric Association. The criteria are, uh, with this diagnosis, the child typically will have more than six of different inattentive behaviors, such as not listening when spoken to directly, disorganized, reluctant to engage in activities requiring sustained efforts, or getting distracted easily. Um, Some children may also have hyperactive behavior, such as being on the go, blurting out, and so forth. So there are standard questionnaires or surveys which can be given to parents and to teachers. And these surveys, when completed, allow to differentiate just a normal allowed amount of inattention, absent-mindedness, and fidgety and hyperactivity from abnormally high amount. So then if you have put together all of these red flags and you've determined that this child has attentional, you know, disorders, then what do you do for them? Do you use cognitive behavioral therapy? Do you look to medicational intervention? What's the first line of defense that you try with parents? Most typically we want to assure that the child has normal health with no interruptions because even little things can affect the attention. Some children have medical illnesses such as uncontrolled asthma or sleep apnea or inflammatory disorders. So we need to make sure the child is healthy. Uh, Lack of iron quite often contributes to crankiness and hyperactivity. Sleep deprivation is extremely common nowadays, especially in teenagers. And sleep deprivation worsens any inattention and can tip somebody over from normal degree of absent-mindedness to the extent which falls into the category of ADD. Uh, Proper diet uh, also affects the focusing and certain food ingredients such as artificial sweeteners uh, and coloring can worsen attention. When all this is assured, In real life, the next line of defense often are school accommodations, such as Section 504 plan, which is accommodations in accordance to the law, which allows children with medical condition have some accommodations in school. In case of ADD, it would be preferential seating, splitting assignments in smaller parts, and so on. Some kids do need special education services. Our neurology books list medications as a first line of defense, but this um, way of seeing this does not sit well with most parents. Uh, So we're trying to work with parents the way they can tolerate this 
while they're being educated about the condition, uh, establishing school help, and gradually checking if their child will actually require medical treatment or not. And if you determine that, that medical intervention is, medicational intervention is advised, at what age, Dr. Topper, do you tell parents that it's time to let that child manage their own medication? Because I think this is a question many parents have, and especially with a child with attentional issues. So when do you tell them if they are on medication that they learn to sort of manage this disorder on their own? Uh, we discourage... Uh situations where children having access to their own pill box because many of um, medications for attention deficit are controlled substances and can be potentially misused if used not as prescribed. Additionally, media uh, reports often that high school children and college students often have a habit of medication sharing, such as a child with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder who officially prescribed a stimulant medicine may share this pill with another student without the disorder in order to increase productivity, suppress need in sleep, allow more study time, and eventually get better testing scores. For these reasons, uh, independence with handling medications is not advisable in any children who are technically minors up to age 18. After age 18, uh, these are adults and they can manage their own or at least they have legal rights to do that. Uh, So typically, differently from many other situations of chronic disease like diabetes where children are encouraged to do their own injections, handle their own medications, with attention deficit, this is not encouraged. And is this something that goes away in adulthood, or if they are diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, they will have it as they turn in an adult? No, the good news is that about 50% of all kids do outgrow, usually by late adolescence. Slightly higher percentage of those uh, can also learn to go about most of their days without needing medications and using medicine only for intense study days or the days they have classes in college. So, however, for a substantial proportion of children with attention deficit, they will grow into adults with attention deficit and may require near daily daily medications. So uh, it's a good hope for many kids, but not every child outgrows attention deficit. So in just the last few minutes, Dr. Topper, and it's such great information, please wrap it up for us about ADD and ADHD, what you're telling parents and their children every day about managing this condition and why they should come to Summit Medical Group for their care. Well, we're trying to work with parents the way they can tolerate because every parent comes with fears and anxieties and sometimes with misconceptions about the condition. We always recommend to read a good book about attention deficit, and the one which I um, recommend the most is called Taking Charge of ADHD by Russell Barkley. So this is a good starting point. Another thing which parents need to always remember that we can discuss multiple ways of managing attention deficit, but if it comes down to medications, doctors usually have a way to do it in a safe 
uh, efficient way to sort out all the side effects if we start low, go slow, and check frequently. This old formula for safe medication prescribing applies perfectly here. So um, children are not destined to have side effects. It can be sorted out if parents work with their doctor closely. Thank you so much, Dr. Topper, for being with us today. You're listening to SMG Radio. And for more information, you can go to summitmedicalgroup.com. That's summitmedicalgroup.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.